Hello, today's Tuesday, and that means one thing. It's a brand new episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. On today's episode, Lucas and I are going to do the movie that you guys voted on in our football poll question we ran a few weeks ago, asking you what football movie you wanted us to do just in time for the Super Bowl coming up. And you guys want a draft day, so draft day you're going to get. This is the fictitious tale of the general manager of the Cleveland Browns building a winning football team through the draft, which for you Cleveland Browns fans is probably the closest thing you're going to get to a winner anytime soon. <laughs> I kid, I kid, we love you here in Cleveland. So without further ado, after the trailer, we give you draft day. And that is it, Super Bowl champion. The title is back in town. What? A finish to an unbelievable Super Bowl. NFL champions are not born. The Cleveland Browns are now on the clock. They are built on draft day. It's go time, boss. You're going rogue. What's happening? Who are you picking? Well, everyone, shut up. I got Tom Michaels on the line. Sonny, are we trading six? I quit, Sonny. Don't quit. You're going to like this. Draft day. Rated PG-13. In theaters April 11th. Hello, and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. My name is Russ, and with me normally nine times out of ten is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you this evening? I'm doing well, besides, uh, you know, dealing with some uh, some furnace stuff this weekend. Kind of sucks. Yeah, being a homeowner, an adult, I mean, I feel like we, uh, when you're an adult, you get to do all, whatever you want, but you also get the shit into the stick. Yeah, um... Well, that and uh, our uh, neck of the woods got blasted with uh, a huge fucking snowstorm. It hit pretty much, what, the entire Midwest? Yeah. I mean, the entire state of Ohio was under a winter storm warning when it happened. So, Yeah, so we got blasted with that, too. So not the, the perfect time for uh, a furnace to go out. And um, Definitely not. And I, uh, this is uh, Super Bowl week. So I figured since we are in the media business that I would try to get us uh, onto uh, Radio Row for the Super Bowl. So I, I contacted the uh, NFL, their media relations department, see if I can get the Couch Potato Podcast some media credentials, and I got the owl treatment. They just kept saying, who? <laughs> who? So I got shot. I really out. hope the story is true. Uh, it, it it's not, but it makes for a good a good intro to the show. <laughs> that would have been that would have been awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, maybe next year I'll try to get us on. I'm sure. It sounds good to me. I'm sure that actually will happen, but it's worth a shot. I figured, you know, since we're in the media business now, I should have tried. I mean, I don't know what it could have hurt. The, the worst they can do is uh, tell us to go fuck ourselves. And, you know, before they didn't even know who we were, then we'd be the guys they told to go fuck themselves. Yeah. That would have been next year. It was like, oh, you guys again? Hey, fuck off. <laughs> um, but we did, uh, We uh, the movie we're doing, we put a poll question up eh, about, a, what, a month ago? It's been a little bit, yeah. I don't know. Like, I've mentioned on the show a time or two, since uh, March of 2020, I've lost all sense of time. It all runs together at this point. Uh, it was about a month ago. We put up a poll question. We wanted to, wanted to do a movie just in time for the Super Bowl. We put up uh, draft day, varsity blues, uh, the longest yard, 
the good one with Burt Reynolds, not the shitty one with Adam Sandler, and any given Sunday. And draft day one, surprisingly, I was shocked. I personally campaigned uh, for it because it was my pick. I don't know why you're shocked. It's, uh, it's a very good movie. It is, but I thought for sure, like when we did the uh, the early results, uh, Varsity Blues was running away with this. And I, yeah. I think draft day had one vote, and I think uh, fellow couch potato and my wife, Jen, voted for it simply because she knew that that was my choice, and she was she's doing what she could to help her old man out. Well, that's, uh, that's a good lady there. She is. She's the best. Um, but yeah, draft day surprisingly pulled out at the end. It won, so here we are. Draft day. Here we are. Um, but uh, this stars, uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to do things a little differently this time just because there's a lot of shit I want to dig into before we get into the categories. So I'm just going to knock out the tail of the tape right now. Are you good with that? I'm good with it. All right, the tail of the tape for draft day. This was released on April the 14th, 2014. This stars Kevin Costner, Jennifer Garner, Frank Langella, Chadwick Boseman. This was directed by Ivan Reitman. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 60% from audiences, or 60% from critics, 65% from audiences. Sorry, I wrote down audience twice. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. Uh, this movie was a box office bomb. Uh, did $29.5 million on a $25 million budget, so it lost money. Yeah. Um, this did not win any awards unless it won the NFL Movie of the Year, which it would have had no competition. <laughs> and I was very shocked to find out that this movie is not streaming anywhere. Huh. That's very surprising. Uh, it's not on any service at all. You think they would put it up because of the uh, you know the Super Bowl time, but yeah, I figured that one of the like whether it be Showtime or HBO or somebody would have it on one of their stations, but nope, they don't. They're lost. Yeah. So, all right. Since we got the tail of the tape out of the way, um, I for one, I love this movie. It, I if I ever catch it on TV, I'll sit down and watch a little bit of it. I've seen this movie a few times, but I don't know how you feel about this, but this movie is fucking ridiculous in a lot, a lot of ways. Yes, it, it takes some liberties with some uh, realism, for sure. Yeah, um, I have a list of gripes for this. I, It almost seems like when they did this movie, they, I mean, first off, they have the cooperation of the NFL, and I thought for yeah. sure... It, yeah, I thought for sure they would get somebody that kind of knew about football to come on and like, hey, you know, like don't this wouldn't really happen. You need to do this instead. Now I know that they have to sometimes take liberties to make it a movie, but um, this list of gripes I have is I think these are very legitimate. So I all right, know. let's hear them. All right, uh, and I'll uh, I'll probably agree with you to be honest. Okay, first thing is. Um, when Sonny makes the trade with uh, the Seahawks GM, he -hmm. doesn't consult with anybody ahead of time. He does this in his truck on the way back to the Cleveland Browns compound. Doesn't make, doesn't get, go ahead. Now I was going to say, as you, nobody else can see this because we're in a podcast form, but I am wearing my 
Cleveland's, Cleveland Browns Jarvis Landry jersey because yeah. I love the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that's Lucas' favorite football team for sure. It's true. I do love them. They make me very sad, but I love them. Um, I, I, <laughs> knowing the Browns, though, is it really that much of a stretch that their GM could just make a fucking deal? <clears throat> like, you know, back in 2013, 2014 in his truck. <laughs> you know, honestly, now that you bring that up, that actually makes perfect sense. <laughs> just as inept as that franchise has been since they came back into the league, it's like they just don't seem to do anything right. It's almost like some GMs run their team. Not all, not all teams. I mean, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of like the new model for uh, being inept in the NFL. But, yeah, like, it seems like GMs live off the motto, like whatever the Browns would do, we do the opposite and we'll be fine. Well, and that's true. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, now that you make mention that, it does make a lot of sense. But still, though, I figured that he would have at least called someone to like yeah. bounce that idea off of. I mean, I know – the owner wants him to make a big splash at the draft, but come on. Like I would have yeah. like, like, Hey, this is the deal we have. What do you think? Yeah. He's got, I mean, the, the owner's got to sell tickets to his water park. He's not happy. Right. It, well, he actually, Kevin Costner operates the whole movie without really consulting anyone. He just like, Oh, you know what? Fuck. I'm going to do this trade. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to take who I want, <laughs> which that. Well, he kind of consults his girlfriend a little bit, Allie, or he, he tries to, but she don't want to talk to him. She just wants to, he just wants to know from her if the cap if it works for the cap, <laughs> and how and how he, how she feels about him not wanting to be her baby daddy. Right, which we'll get into that subplot a little bit later. Uh, not a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, my second gripe is uh, 2014, if I'm not mistaken, this was coming off of the Seattle Seahawks. I think they went to the Super Bowl and won. Or it's that 2014 year where they did go to the Super Bowl. I know it's one of the two years. But why are the Seahawks in the market for a QB? Now, before um, I know you might throw a little bit of fire on this. I think you and I discussed this earlier. Like If this took place in a fictitious NFL... That'd be mm-hmm. one thing, but they make a specific reference to the uh, the trade that the Rams and the Redskins made for uh, Robert Griffin the third, which mm-hmm. is a, a notorious trade two years earlier where the uh, Redskins, well, the Washington team now they're not called the Redskins anymore. Uh, they're called the uh, the Commanders now. What a name! Yeah, if they had Cobra Commander as their uh, mascot, I would be all for it. Huge GI Joe fan. I doubt they go that route. Yeah, that would have been cool, though. Um, but the the Washington football team, they give up three. They give up a ton of draft capital to move up to get Robert Griffin III, which this was the year where uh, uh, Robert Griffin III and Andrew Luck were arguably – I know Andrew Luck was a can't-miss NFL prospect, probably the best quarterback to come through since Peyton Manning. Uh, RG3, as he was called, was – uh, I think he came off that one really great year at Baylor. He had shot up draft boards. He was kind of uh, the uh, quarterback that uh, kind of a multi-dimensional, multi-threat quarterback. 
mm-hmm. he's thought of almost as highly as uh, Andrew Luck. Had a lot of scenario or a lot of similarities to the uh, Peyton Manning Ryan Leaf debate when the, those two came out. But yeah, the uh, Seattle has Russell Wilson, who is still arguably a top seven or eight quarterback in the NFL. So I'm baffled on why the Seahawks would be in the market for a quarterback when they've already got a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Or why they were number one in the, why were they were the worst team in the league? Well, I mean, I could chalk that up to like, Hey, maybe Russell Wilson got hurt. Yeah. yeah. And you're stuck with well, I mean, I guess, QB the whole year. Well, then that almost answers your question right there. Maybe it's a serious injury. Maybe it's a career ender. Maybe that's why they're in the market for a QB. I'm not buying it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I like we were talking about earlier. Sometimes there's like that one guy that comes out of college. Like I, I, he didn't pan out, but like a Ryan Leaf, where it's just a sure thing. You know, you got to have him. Got to give up your franchise to have him. That's true. He could lead they, you to glory. They already have that. They have Russell. Unless Wilson. he had a serious, unless he had a serious injury. I'm not buying it. He didn't have a serious injury. He could have, you know, torn an ACL. I mean, like, serious injury, like, he would have had to have suffered one of those concussions where you're just not coming back from it. Or, yeah, like, uh, he tore every every ligament in his knee. I mean, fuck, like, last year, Dak Prescott, his ankle snapped in half, and here he is leading the Dallas Cowboys to a first-round exit in the NFL playoffs this past season. Or um, Joe Burrow tore the shit out of his knee, and he's in the Super Bowl this year. Yep. See? I threw up in my mouth as I said that. Oh, yeah. Once again, we'll go back to the fact Lucas loves the Browns, and that means he hates everybody else and just shits on anybody that has a bit of good luck. Uh, me, personally, I'm rooting, that for is the correct. I'm rooting for the Bengals this weekend. Uh, that franchise... I- that franchise could use it. They've, uh, they're just like your Browns, just years of just poor management. I, I just want to see them get it. Plus, well, I don't the best like. Thing I, I've... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I don't, you, you go. I don't like Stan Kroenke. I don't like the owner of the Rams. I don't really know much about him. Well, he um, moved. I was the, gonna... He moved the Rams. Oh yeah, from he moved St. Louis from St. Louis to yeah. LA. That was a dick move. Yeah, we didn't need to. I mean, it's really salt in the wound after uh, they come out of that Kurt Warner movie back in December, too, where he leads the St. Louis Rams to glory. Yeah. I feel bad for the fans of St. Louis. Great mm-hmm. great fans there. Great sports town without a football team. And then the Rams in L.A. now, like, no one goes and watches them play. <laughs> well, the other team, the – team that they're facing their fans go mm-hmm. um next gripe how does the owner of the browns get back to uh, cleveland so fast <laughs> what was it four four picks yeah and he's back That's, uh, in, 10 minutes apiece <laughs> yeah he is back in cleveland so the only logical thing i could think of is he has a like, he can either teleport like they do in Star Trek. Like, I'm just wondering if Radio City Music Hall in New York doesn't have one of them Star Trek teleporters. They just put him back in, like, a different spot. Or he has a time machine. Or movie magic. 
Yeah, movie magic too. That's that has to be it. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't. So I think the flight from New York to Cleveland, even if you're on a private jet, is like. I mean, plus they got to get it ready. He's got to go from the he's got to go from the Cleveland airport, which I'm not exactly sure where that is, but the Browns training facility, like their main headquarters, isn't in Cleveland. It's in Berea, which is like 20, 30 minutes south on the highway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that whole 20, 30 minutes would have been almost the time of those draft picks, not to mention the two-hour flight time. And he has to fight New York traffic to get to one of the airports in New York. Right, which he was in downtown Manhattan. That ain't happening. Yeah, so and I just blew my mind. Like when the first time I seen it, I was like, wait a minute, he's here already? <laughs> he's got a fucking twin. Yeah, um, which I'm going to delve into uh, the owner of the Browns a little bit later too. Kind of dig that dude's style. Um, I also don't understand why the Seattle GM was in such a – I mean, I know Costner essentially goads him into taking the deal, but if that guy was worth his weight in gold, like I would have known like if he didn't pick him at one, why is he going to pick him at six? Yeah. I just well, he told him he was going to pick him. Yeah, I would have called as well, like, okay, pick him then. Yeah, that would have sucked. Because then they would have been stuck with him. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want him in, to the, in the first place. Right. And then uh, the last gripe that I have, and this is probably the most egregious complaint I have with this entire movie, is when Roger Goodell comes into the draft, nobody's fucking cheering Roger Goodell. Nobody. Yeah, I noticed that. They were all they were all excited that has to be like something that the NFL put in there. Cause you know, I'm sure before, like he embraces the booze now, but I'm sure at some point it probably bothered him that he got booed. So, like you can't hear anything that's going on mm-hmm. over the fucking booze that people are throwing his way. Oh, I know. Like the minute he walks out on stage, if you've ever watched the NFL draft, they let him have it. The only time he didn't get booed was when they did the, uh, the Zoom draft in 2020. Yeah, and he and he was sad about that because he didn't hear the booze. Yeah, although I will say though he had a quite the sweet setup, had that awesome Actually, leather chair and. Yeah, he did. Down, I think it was down in his basement. He said. Yeah, he just had it in his rumpus room or basement, and yeah, he just like he was just chilled out the whole weekend. I actually do think they booed him on that one too because I remember. They had fans over Zoom, and he was, like, encouraging them to boo him. Oh, were they? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't remember a lot of that draft. The only thing I remember is the shot of uh, they had a camera in Bill Belichick's house, and he was away from his computer, and it was just a, like his dog was sitting where he was sitting at. It looked <laughs> like his dog was conducting the draft, which <laughs> if you've seen, like, how the Patriots did in 2020, like, you would – yeah. That dog was that dog was doing the picks. Um, so All right, yeah. now what do you what do you love about this movie now? <laughs> oh, no, I, I just think it's very entertaining, man. It just Costner's fucking awesome in it, which we'll get to him in just a second. Uh, I mean, the stuff is ludicrous, but it's still fun. I mean, it's still fun. Like I love the war room stuff. Oh yeah, that stuff's great. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's entertaining. It's it the tensions there. I mean, like 
are like you, you kind of left to wonder if they're going to pick him or not. I mean, there's gripes, but I mean, it's still a fun movie. Yeah. And plus, I don't I agree know, with I, you. I, I, I'm not a Browns fan, but it's nice to see the Browns get up one on somebody. Yeah. That, that well, we beat Pittsburgh last year in, in the playoffs. That was probably the best feeling in the world because if you're a Browns fan, there's two teams that, that, I mean, Cincinnati we don't like either, but there's not the hatred like there is for Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Well, let me ask you this. Since you're a Browns fan, uh, since the, the team has come back, because for those of you that don't know, the Browns were an iconic NFL franchise. Their owner, Art Modell, decides in what was that, 1999? Uh, it was 94. Five was their last, 90, 94 was their last season. I think he left in 95. Okay. Uh, well, he moves the team from Cleveland to Baltimore, and the, the old Browns are now the Baltimore Ravens. They came back in 99. That's right. That's where I got confused. Yep. Um, so since they came back in 99, uh, where would you rank Sonny Weaver fleecing the Seattle Seahawks GM out of his, getting his picks back amongst the greatest moments in Cleveland Browns history? Well, uh, modern history, right? (laughs) Yeah. Since 99, uh, probably number, probably number three behind the, uh, last year's playoff and, uh, the 2003, uh, well, 2002 season, 2003 playoffs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's that's about it. It's, It's third. Okay. I can, I can respect that. I would have had it my top five too. Yeah, I mean, there was also the winning season when Peyton Hillis, that fucking dump truck, was out there running over everybody. But uh, and he got the yeah, Madden it, cover. It, he got the Madden cover, and then he did jack shit the next year. He yeah. fumbled every time he touched the ball. Yeah, it was the the Madden curse. Like if you were on that cover, you're mm-hmm. trust me. Unless you were Tom Brady, your season is going to shit. And it looked like that the curse eventually faded away. It's not really a thing anymore, but for the longest time, yeah, if you were on the cover of Madden, you were not having a good, a good year. Well, I think Brady was on the cover and then tore his ACL. That that was the year that, was it Jimmy G took over? And that's how he got to San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Yep. No, yeah, that, so that think... wasn't Jimmy G. That was Matt Castle. Okay. Matt Castle. I knew it was, was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forget, uh, I think Garoppolo played in some, uh, some games. Like I think Brady got a slight injury or it was like when they were resting him for something. And then Jimmy G got some play. That's how he got traded. Plus everybody thinks the Patriots, like no matter what they do, it's, oh, if they're doing it, if this is a guy, we have to have him since he plays for new England. And that's also not the case. Yeah, no, but you know. Another uh, another Browns legend, Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that going was, to do great things after the Browns. Yeah, see, that was that would not be the uh, the post nineteen ninety nine glory days. So you have it. The playoff win last year is number one. Yeah, their winning season where they go to the playoffs in two thousand and two two, and they they their game was. 2003 oh, is that the, the playoff start in that's January. The, that's the Kelly Holcomb-led Cleveland Browns, right? Yep. Okay. Dennis the, Northcutt. I could still see it. Dennis Northcutt 
caught the ball with like four seconds left and was running to the sideline, got tackled in bounds and ran out of time. Or they would have tied it. They lost 36-33. Oh, man. That is heartbreaking. And then number three would be Sonny Weaver getting the best of the Seahawks GM and draft day. That's right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, the other thing I had, I actually, I didn't even think to ask you that, but I thought since we were talking about it, it was a perfect segue into it. The last one I have is um, Kevin Costner has been in quite a few sports movies. I think this is his mm-hmm. sixth or seventh one. Um, would Kevin Costner be considered the king of the sports movies? Now, before you answer, some other candidates that you can throw into the ring. Omar Epps was in Major League Two. He played Willie Mays Hayes. He was in the program. And then he was in Love and Basketball. All three good movies. Major League Two. Okay. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Dennis Quaid. He was in uh, The Rookie. Fantastic baseball movie. He was in Any Given Sunday. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else that pops off top of my head. And Dennis Quaid was, I think, was in. I think he was in American Flyers with Kevin Costner, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't do a lot of research on Dennis Quaid; he just came to my head. But uh, Kevin Costner, here's his his list of uh, sports movies. He did American Flyers, which was about bicycling. He did Bull Durham. He did Field of Dreams. He did Tin Cup, For Love of the Game. And then he was the uh, track coach in McFarland, USA. So, I would say yes. Yeah, I would say yeah. I mean, I as you were as you were reading off the names, I I mean, the only one that would even be close, but it's really not even close. The Omar Epps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely Kevin Costner. Now I'm sure that once I we get done recording this, there's probably going to be somebody that comes to mind like, oh fuck, I should have included him too. But you know, we're, I, well, I think the points mute anyway. It's, yeah. it's Kevin Costner. Yeah, well, I mean, like just Bull Durham, Field of Dreams alone are, I think, his two best movies. Like, you know, somebody's going to say, you know, what about Dances with Wolves? I'm not a huge Dances with Wolves fan. I've always been of the camp that Goodfellas should have won Best Picture in 1990. I've only, I've seen Dances with Wolves one time, and I think that's plenty. Not saying it's I've a bad seen it. A, I've seen it a bunch. My mom used to watch the crap out of that movie. Oh, really? Well, I'm sorry. I, I, it's okay. It, I mean, it's okay. I don't think it's better than Goodfellas. No. Um. But yeah. I mean, just uh, Field of Dreams and Bull Durham alone are probably his two best movies. And then uh, For Love of the Game is actually a really good baseball movie if you take out the the romantic subplot. I just don't think Kelly Preston and Kevin Costner really work well together. Yeah. I just thought that they're, uh, they didn't have a lot of chemistry together and it just kind of, that part falls flat, but the perfect game stuff in that movie is awesome. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, when you're thinking of the king of movies, major league baseball literally had a whole game and on the set of field of dreams, Mm-hmm. named after that movie and it was fucking awesome and I would love to go like I know that they said they're going to do it again and I really hope they do they are they weren't really sure oh they are for sure now mm-hmm. yeah I think the Reds are playing in it next year or this year 
So, I mean, I would love, love to go see that. I, I'm not going to be able to afford it, but man, that, that's just so fucking cool. And Kevin Costner threw out the first pitch. Right. Well, I mean, it's only, he should throw out the first pitch every year that he's alive for the rest of his life at oh, that game. And man, I tell you what, that's that speech he gave. I was like, fuck man, I'm fired up now. Yeah. <laughs> But in uh, Tin Cup, also very underrated golf movie. Have you ever seen Tin Cup? Yep. Uh, Tin I Cup's, have, actually. Tin Cup's fucking awesome. Good movie. So, I guess that really wasn't as big of a debate as I thought. I mean, yeah, Kevin Costner is the king of the sports movies for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything that would even pop up that would be better. I, I dug his Robin Hood, too. So, I mean, Robin Hood would kind of creep in there. It's not Waterworld, though. That movie kind of stinks. I uh, I did not like Robin Hood. Robin Hood, or did you like the porno uh, parody Throbin Hood? <laughs> <laughs> Is that real? Yes, I worked at a video store that rented uh, pornographic movies, and I remember putting a movie back on the shelf called Throbin Hood. And I forget what the subtitle was, but yeah, it's called Throbin Hood. That is fucking awesome. If you thought that was awesome, it's even better. Uh, Throbin Hood is uh, pulling back his uh, his bow, and the arrow is a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, right. man. Thank you, porn. All right, well, this is probably the last episode of the Couch Potato Podcast now since you... I never thought I would end it on a porno note, but hey, here we are. It was a hell of a run, though, right, Lucas? Oh, yeah. All right. Um, you ready to start these categories? Yeah, let's All right. do it. Uh, the Detective William Somerset Research Corner. Um, I have a few. There really wasn't a lot of like pre-production notes or anything behind-the-scenes kind of stuff about this movie. It's just like, okay, here's $25 million. We want Kevin Costner to be in this Football movie about the draft. Just make it happen. All right, cool. Yeah, there's like, I struggled to find research. I mean, honestly, I have to give credit to IMDb because that's really the only place that I could find anything on this movie. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I could find too. Like I kind of was digging through uh, old Entertainment Weekly articles, uh, Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, and just couldn't find anything. Yeah, there's like no dirt on this movie. No. Um, this movie was originally supposed to be about the Buffalo Bills, another hard luck franchise, which has experienced a renaissance in the last few years. Um, Great fans. Yeah, awesome fans. I mean, they tailgate, they dive through tables. Like, it, it, that's wild. It is. <laughs> like I, When I seen that for the first time, I almost – Almost changed uh, the team I rooted for. I was like, I kind of want to be a Bills fan now. <laughs> that's that's the kind of that's the environment I want to be in when I go to a football game. I was only moved to Cleveland because it was cheaper to film in Ohio than it was in the upstate New York. Yeah, I imagine New York's probably expensive, no matter if you're in New York City or otherwise. Right. Um, Chadwick Boseman, who most of you know is Black Panther. Um, who plays the Ohio State linebacker Vontae Mack, was 37 years old when this movie was filmed. 
wild. He, I mean, he looks he like he, was, look, he looked like he was like a 21 year old linebacker from Ohio State. Not Ohio. I was like, I've seen. I was like, fuck, he's 37. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, he actually didn't want to play in another sports movie because he had just played Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. Awesome baseball, which movie is as well. very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he changed his mind after he spoke with uh, director Ivan Reitman. Which I mean, I know I would listen to the guy that did Ghostbusters and Twins and Dave and all these iconic '80s comedies. I I would have given him a listen. And then after he spoke with him, he decided he wanted to do it. I'm glad he did. Yep. And then, uh, which he plays for our favorite college football team too, which that makes it even better. Absolutely. The last one that I have, uh, the uh, Motion Picture Association of America, originally gave Draft Day an R rating, which. Watching this now, I was like, how the fuck does this get an R rating? I don't know. I when when uh, I saw that, and then you sent me your notes, I was sitting there wondering, like, how, like, what it, what is in here? Like, there's no, there's no sex, there's no violence, there's barely. I mean, there's some language, barely. One f bomb. That's it. See, I thought you had to have three to make it rated R. No, I think it's one. I think you, you're allowed one, and then after that, it becomes an R. Yeah. I, I just I don't understand how they wanted to make this rated R. It didn't make any sense to me. Right. Lucas, you okay? <laughs> just trying. My mic, I looked at it, and it was laying all the way back, and I couldn't tell if you could hear me or not. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Must have some dragon breath, and my fucking microphone's running away. <sighs> Um, after an appeal, they change it to a PG 13, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much all I have. The only other one, well, I'll let you read yours off. I don't want to shit on your, your Cheerios and like reveal something you already had written down. But once you get to yours, if you hadn't revealed this, I'll mention the last one, but go ahead. What do you have today? Um, so, uh, Arian Foster, who is a running back in the actual NFL, uh, they cast him in this. He was, um, the early 2010s. Yep. Uh, he was, uh, Houston Texans running back, which, uh, that's right. He, uh, he, I believe he was on my roster, uh, during a fantasy football championship run. Nice. Well, thank you for that. Arian Foster. Yeah. He was, a he was a top five fantasy football pick for a couple of years. Then he just started getting hurt and just kind of went downhill. He was not on the Madden cover, so we can't blame Madden. <laughs> um, he was uh, he was casting this as Ray Jennings, who was the son of an iconic in the movie running back. Um, but he was never drafted, and in the movie, that was the first time he had ever experienced being drafted per se. Mm-hmm. And he told he said that was really special to him, really to be able to experience that. Yeah. His uh, dad in the movie is played by Terry Crews, who also played in the NFL, too. Yep, four different teams, but not a running back. He was a defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the only other one that I have is uh, the taping of the $100 bill to the back of the playbook to see if the kids were actually reading the playbook. Um, That was actually inspired by uh, Jamarcus Russell, um, he was drafted to Oakland 
and he had the potential to be a really good quarterback. He had a great arm. He was a big guy. Would have been hard to sack in the pocket, but he was fucking lazy and he was fat. And uh, so his career fizzled out. But his coaches didn't believe he was watching game film, so they sent him blank DVDs to watch. And he came back claiming that he watched them and loved the game plan, which he was obviously lying because there was nothing on the fucking DVDs. Mm. Uh, what Jamar- a douchebag. Jamarcus Russell also is how I found out about the uh, the purple drink. Purple drink? Yeah, that's, that's how I, I figured. I knew what purple drink was after uh, I believe he uh, suffered an overdose from the old purple drink. The scissor. Oh, boy. Scissor. Yeah, that's how, that's how I, I knew about that. So if you get anything out of this podcast, maybe you'll know that a former number one overall draft pick uh, had some bad luck with the scissor. <laughs> um, the extra one that I had was uh, there's a lot of people that have appeared in comic book properties in this. Um, Kevin Costner uh, played uh, Paul Kent in The Man of mm-hmm. Steel. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, as I mentioned earlier, was Black Panther. Uh, Jennifer Garner was Elektra in the god-awful Elektra movie that came out in the mid or the early 2000s. Um, Tom Welling, who plays, uh, uh, was it Brian Drew, the quarterback, on the Browns at the time. He was Superman in Smallville. Hmm. And uh, Very cool. Dennis Leary was uh, Gwen Stacy's father in the amazing Spider-Man one and two. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> when you were going through the list, I was like, I was wondering if he was in one, but I remember that now. Those movies are fucking terrible. The amazing Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man two are terrible. So I mm. kind of forgot. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I'm sure there was somebody that I'm missing, which I seem to be missing a lot. On this episode today, I do apologize, but I'm just really shaken up about not getting on Radio Row. <laughs> He's very distraught, folks. I'm very distraught. Um, but yeah, that was the other fun fact I had. I didn't think to write it down, but uh, after you only had two and I had three, I was like, oh, I'll see if I can throw a little another little nugget at the folks. <laughs> the, the the ten people, are, yeah, the ten people that are going to listen to this episode because it's a easily forgotten football movie from the the early 2010s. Um, well, everybody that voted for it better fucking listen to it. I'm sure they will. Which I think this movie got eight votes, so we're going to get eight listens on this, and that's it. Perfect. Um, the I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Yeah, Lucas, what do you have as your favorite scene of draft day? Uh, the utterly ridiculous would never happen. Sonny getting his draft picks back. Yes. Also getting a punt returner and then uh, drafting the running back. Um, you know, the having the coach call him and the emotions that come with uh, going to play for your father's team. I thought that was really cool. Um, I I have that one, too. I really like it just because I, for some reason, I just don't like that Seattle GM. He is a dirt ball. I've never had an issue with the Seahawks franchise. Uh, some of my favorite players when I was growing up played for the Seahawks, but I've never, they, um, that GM in that movie, I just don't know why. Just don't like him. 
And I almost, I almost nominated the scene right before that when he's talking to the Jacksonville GM, which I was <laughs> wondering. I, I thought for long and hard, I thought like there can't be somebody running a, a professional NFL team, a billion dollar a year business. That would be that fucking stupid. And then after I wrote, made my notes, I decided on the, uh, the scene where the uh, Sonny gets his number ones back. I got thinking about like, no, the Jacksonville Jaguars are that stupid. They are that inept. So like, that one has serious consideration just because of how laughable it is. But I, I just liked seeing that Seattle GM just get his in the end. Yeah. On a personal note, I, I love Seattle's jerseys. Those uh, bright green and purple. Those two colors together, just they just mesh, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with this movie, really, but I just think that's awesome. Bonus points for having cool cool uniforms. Yeah, I just, I just like seeing it because uh, – I even like the scene or the the part two where he's telling uh, they agreed to just the the three number ones back and they put him on hold and they ask what else they needed. And he basically throws back the line like, well, it's a different time or the world's a a different place than it was three hours ago. He says, well, it's a different place 30 seconds from 30 seconds ago. And they get the goddamn David Putney in the deal too. Right. David Putney. Yep. He must be really a really good punt returner because, I mean, that's a position that's really not per se valued in the NFL anymore. Well, I mean, it was a little different in 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah still the, the days of uh, Devin Hester running wild, who should be in the Hall of right. Fame. Well, we'll see, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I think it, that's pretty cool that you picked that one as well. Uh, I think it's a pretty easy choice just watching him get – get his picks back. Yeah. So, and I was actually, I was for a minute, I thought that they were going to get, uh, I thought they were going to draft Bo Callahan. Oh, uh, the Browns. Yeah. I was like, Oh, maybe they will just take him like, Oh, nope. Seattle's agreeing to the deal, which I think they yeah, alluded to that when, uh, the fans start, uh, piling up there, basically wanting the GM's head. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I, and it, I, it's going to be in the next category, but there's a scene in that, in the beginning parts of this movie when they're showing the Seattle GM that I think is just the stupidest fucking scene in the entire movie. <laughs> All right. Well, now that uh, you segue into that, the I Don't Like Stand, it's coarse and rough award for the worst or most unnecessary scene of the movie. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Um, well, since you basically leave us on a cliffhanger, tell us what your scene is. He, the Seattle GM, calls over his assistant, and there's a, there's a fucking dummy on a pole that's being hung because they want him to be fired for trading away the draft picks so they didn't get the... They didn't get Bo at number one. And he says, that doesn't even look like me, does it? Like, what the fuck? It's a fucking dummy, you fucking dummy. I think that was just uh, an attempt at humor that just felt kind of flat. Oh, it was so bad. It made me uncomfortable watching that part. I know for me, some of the romantic subplot with Costner and uh, 
Jennifer Garner, who I absolutely adore. I just, I just that that doesn't work for me. I think we spoke of this last week. Just I really think that a lot of the for every time it does work, where there's like a romantic plot involved, like Bull Durham, I think it works beautifully. That movie would not be the same without, you know, Susan Sarandon and the Kevin Costner, Tim Robbins dynamic. But for the most part, you're not really watching this for, you know, to see Jennifer Garner and Kevin Costner getting together. You're watching this because it's a football movie. And just a lot of that stuff doesn't work, didn't work for me. Not saying that it was bad. It's just like, it's kind of unnecessary to have it in there. Like the, the very beginning of the movie when they're at his house, She's all pissed off leaving. You have no, like, and he's talking about she's pregnant and stuff. Like, you have no context to this. You don't give it, you don't really care. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta, you have to, if you're gonna make a movie with romantic subplot like that, you gotta at least build upon it. Yeah. Or make and, us give a shit. Yeah. And they really, it just, for me, it just, it never worked. Like, there's really no stakes involved. Like, Kevin Costner essentially admits that he kind of, Kind of fucked up, and but yeah, he didn't really blame himself. He kind of blamed her for springing that on him on like arguably the worst possible day for him job wise. And maybe they're trying to say, and maybe they're trying to like just maybe put it in some subcontext, like oh hey, you know, Kevin Costner's just all about his job, and then throughout the movie he kind of realizes that not everything's about his job, but. I don't know, that just shit didn't work for me. Yeah, I don't, like, my question is, do you want us to like him, or do you want us to hate him? Because, you know, when you're a, we're, we're, you and I are parents, and it's like, you know, if, uh, say your wife came to you, hey, I'm pregnant, and you're like, I'm, this is the worst day for you to tell me this, because I'm working. Like, well, you uh, would be a villain. <laughs> funny, funny side note. Uh, my wife did spring pregnancy news on me at a very uh, inconvenient time uh, when we, uh, around the time we were, uh, we found out we were going to have uh, a second child. She told me at uh, Rock on the Range, hmm. right in the middle of watching a band, she leans over to me and says, I think I might be pregnant. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that's kind of a cool time. I I don't I don't know like that could have for me like maybe the next day. Let them finish the set. Yeah, let it. <laughs> let, yeah, let Stone Sour finish their set before you spring that on me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, first off, I don't think you, you can hate Kevin Costner. I think that's fucking damn near impossible. Uh, he was. He wasn't making it too hard at the beginning of this movie. Can't do it. You've got a lot. Kevin Costner has a lot of collateral built up with, with movie audiences. It's you can't hate him. Also, I'm a Browns fan, so it's in my blood to hate the GM of the Browns. That's true. Fair point. Very fair point. So, are we giving this to the, the Garner Costner stuff? Just yeah, you can cut it out. Not a big deal. Or at least the closet scenes. I could have done without the closet stuff. And the intern. I felt bad for that kid. I mean, his computer gets busted. And I love how Costner... <laughs> broke my computer. I love how Costner sounds like the... 
like the parent that's not very tech savvy, like, yeah, we'll get you a new one. And even better with all the new bells and whistles, like. <laughs> Thanks, dad. Yeah. I was like, that's typical parent talk right there. Like, oh, with all the bells and whistles, like I would at least like, I would get you one with like a higher processor or something. But that also comes from being us working for a very prominent uh, electronics retailer for many years too. Very true. Oh, all right. So we're giving it to that. Um, the Dylan, you son of a bitch award for the best line of the movie. Dylan. You son of a bitch. Um, do you want me to go first? Sure. All right. I think it's a very easy, uh, award, uh, winner. Uh, it's uh, come on, Tom. Say it with me, you pancake eating motherfucker. <laughs> that is a great line, and I believe that is the line that's going to win. I am going to throw you a counter line though, because I thought it was awesome, and it was like a total shot to pretty much football, and it made me laugh really hard. Uh, it's when Ali says, how is it that the ultimate prize in the most macho sport ever invented is a piece of jewelry? Yeah, that was pretty good too. Um, Seriously, how is it the ultimate prize? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, that's in all sports though. Like they all play for a ring, but I think the in a football puts a more more of a, uh, uh, a prominence on the ring versus like the other sports like baseball and like basketball and especially hockey hockey's all about the fucking trophy. That's all about the Stanley cup. Mm-hmm. And to a lesser extent, yeah, like the super bowl ring. Like I know NFL players trot those things out all the time when they've got them. Mm. I mean, there's a fucking picture of Tom Brady flashing the seven. Yeah. I mean, I guess in fairness, there's only 56 players on a team per year. So, and there's, this will be super bowl 50, 56, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, there's only been whatever 56 times 56 is that many people out of all the people that have played in the NFL that have them. Right. I'd like to have a championship belt. You know, I wonder if you could request that. Like, don't give me a fucking ring. Give me a belt. For years, our uh, fantasy football league, a particular player in our league has wanted us to uh, have that as the trophy. But yet no one really wants to pitch in on it. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not springing, I'm not springing $300 for a championship belt unless it's like something like world's best podcast host or dad of the year, something like that. Or just all around awesome dude. I can see that for you. Uh, just an FYI, we're never going to win a belt for the best podcast ever. Yeah. Sorry, Russ. No, we're not. <laughs> but, Hey, I can dream, right? A fella can dream. But yeah, I I agree with you. It's your it's the you pancake eating motherfucker. Well, it's the only time an f bomb's dropped in the movie, so it's true. Should have been rated R because of that. <laughs> well, they tried, but they appealed, and <laughs> it's probably one of the only times you'll ever hear motherfucker and pancake in the same sentence. True. He is a pancake eating motherfucker though, because he was eating pancakes at the beginning. Those pancakes look fucking good too. I watched it today. I was like, "Damn, that looks." Had the bacon with it too, and I was like, "Damn, that's fucking good breakfast right there." <laughs> He's set for the day. Yeah, got all the proteins and everything right there. 
Plus, I'm a sucker for pancakes. Maybe I take my son out for breakfast. Maybe I'll call him that if he ever eats like, gets pancakes. Like, son, more pancakes? You pancake eating? <laughs> then before we leave the restaurant, here comes children's services. Like, I hear you're swearing at your son. You don't do that. Like, dude, come on. It's draft day. That'll get me off the hook. Like, it's draft day. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Draft day. <laughs> we understand. Sorry, sir. Um, so we're giving it to the pancake-eating motherfucker. That's our yep. our Dylan, you son of a bitch award winner. That is our Dylan, yeah. you son of a bitch. That's a good one. Um, the McLovin for the best supporting performance. I am McLovin. Uh, who do you have? Uh, I have I have our king, Chadwick Boseman. Whenever Chadwick Boseman's in any movie, uh, he wins the award for me. It doesn't matter what award it is. I love Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very sad that he passed away. That real like that legitimately ruined my whole day. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know the guy, but uh, Black Panther is my favorite MCU movie, and he's just he was a great actor, and also he was an Ohio State player in this movie, mm-hmm. and a Cleveland Brown. That like him and Denzel Ward are gods in my in my book. They can do no wrong. Oh well, hey, I I, I can't argue that. And uh, Chadwick Boseman for me got very strong consideration. Um, but I had to go with Frank Langella as uh, Anthony Molina, the Cleveland Browns owner, uh, simply because for one thing, like I don't know how more. Bluntly, you could put to an employee that you want them to make a big splash and to take them to a water park. <laughs> and talk about a splash. <laughs> and on top of that, uh, he is showing out like a fucking rock star in this movie. He's wearing sunglasses the entire time. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's 10 o'clock in the morning or if it's like 9 o'clock at night, rocking fucking sunglasses. You have to either be a rich guy a rock star or a douchebag to constantly wear sunglasses he no matter off, the time. He comes off as all three. He, he really does. That's a good point. Got a little bit of that Ric Flair drip going on. Woo! <laughs> That's who I would give it to. Um, I can't argue with either one. Uh, I mean, fuck it. We'll give it to Chadwick Boseman because, like you said, he's super awesome. He's good in this, too. Uh, bonus points for having arguably the coolest cell phone case of all time. Oh, yeah, the brass knucks. Yeah, I seen that. When I first seen this movie, I was like, fuck, I have to find that. Yeah. I had no luck finding it. But And plus, when I got thinking about it, I was like, that's a bulky fucking cell phone case. And but, it was, you know, it's 2014, so that's when they were, like, really small compared to how they are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bonus points for that. <clears throat> plus, he gets uh, kicked out of the game for giving his sister the game ball, and he was the only guy to sack Bo Callahan four times. He was a little less than half of the total sacks he took for the year, so he was a good player, played for Ohio State. I'm okay giving it to Chadwick Boseman. Wakanda forever. That's right. But Frank Langella is wearing sunglasses the entire movie, though. (laughs) That's your hill, and you're going to die on it. Yeah. There's nobody in this movie I would recast. Anybody of note, anyways. Yeah, no, I, it it's it's cast just fine. Yeah, um, 
I will say that the detective who's played by, I think, I forget the actor, W. Earl Brown, who you might know as Warren from uh, There's Something About Mary. I did find it a little aggravating, though. He Instead of just telling him, he made him answer the question himself. Why wouldn't well, he, his teammates he, at the he birthday? He irritated, too. Yeah, Kevin Costner did, too. Uh, but, yeah, there's nobody of note that I would I would recast. The only thing that would have been better is he would have been like, break it, man. Well. I, that's my, I love that line from there, something about Mary. Yeah. It just cracks me up. Well, that, that movie is coming at some point on the show if people continue to listen to us. But he does not play that character in draft day. He does not. He is just somebody who's trying to he likes playing a thousand questions when he's trying to give somebody information. Um, did you have any unsolved mysteries for this? I had one. I had two, but I kind of already asked you one of them. So I do have one, actually. Okay. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. I know that I'm very, like, typically very dry on this category, but I did come up with one today. Um. So, you know, they get all those players, they have the coach, you know, and they have their quarterback. How do you think they did in that opening game? It doesn't tell us who they played. Now, before you answer, I'm going to give you a stat. Uh, This is current right now, uh, as of this year. The Browns are 1-20-1 in opening games since 1999. Well, I was going to say they were going to lose anyways. (laughs) <laughs> just because it's the Browns. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that they may have gone like 9-7. and It's been one of those things where the season started off rough, and then like they eventually ride the ship, and they, I, I think they barely get into the playoffs. Only get hmm. bounced in the first round. You know, honestly, though, at this point, with how bad they are all the time, just making it to the fir- fucking first round of the playoffs is good enough for me. Well, if they would have done, like, the uh, recap at the end, like, all oh, the Cleveland Browns went on the, you know, this record, and that, like, that would have been the perfect ending right there. You didn't have to end it with just them in the tunnel. I kind of wanted to know how they did, too. And you could have said, yeah. you know, like, Cleveland Browns went 9-7. and seven. They were the, the number six seed in the AFC, and they lost to. The way this movie is, like, so inaccurate, they probably would have had them losing to, like, the fucking Minnesota Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> I would, I would I, hope they would at least do their research and know that, that that is not possible. Yeah, I would have hoped that the NFL, like, hey, Ivan, um, caught a rough cut of your movie. We loved it, um, but there's no way that the Browns would have gotten beat by the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. No way. They, they play in different conferences. Can you change that to somebody else? <laughs> All right, fine. The tr- Detroit Lions, like that, doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not working because two reasons: one, the uh, Lions also play in the NFC, and two, come on, Lions aren't making the playoffs. <laughs> Sorry, Lions fans, your franchise is worse than mine. I think they're cursed. Uh, I listened to the uh, Pat McAfee show, and he seems to think that they're cursed because they owe Calvin Johnson some money, and they just refuse to pay him. And Calvin Johnson right. is arguably one of the five or six best players in the history of that franchise. And they just, eh, yeah. fuck him, I, we don't care that we owe him 
$1.2 million or whatever the fee is. Maybe the second best behind Barry Sanders? No, there's some other players, but I think he's top five or six for sure. Fair enough. Um, the only one I have is uh, what kind of quarterback do you think Bo Callahan became in the NFL? That's a tough question. Maybe so he's either he either becomes a Ryan Leaf or an Eli Manning. Not like, you know, Eli Manning was pretty good, but he also had that, like, kind of scared hitch when somebody was coming at him. Now, I'm saying Eli Manning is pretty good. He won two Super Bowls, but he wasn't – he was like the kryptonite for New England. He wasn't really – I don't even know how to put it. He wasn't, like, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, Mm -hmm. but he was just good enough to get his team some rings. Yeah. I I didn't see him being – the way they touted him is like the the can't miss prospect. I don't think he lives up to that hype. Yeah. I don't think he turns out to be a bust. But I think he's just somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah, he's a good enough starting quarterback to be like maybe he's a quarterback on a playoff team, but he's also not one of those quarterbacks that's gonna win you a Super Bowl either. Yeah, maybe get you like what, who was who was the guy that was in Jacksonville when they surprise went to the playoffs and won? I, I don't think he's Blake Bortles bad because Blake Bortles for some reason had this incredible season and the Jaguars made the playoffs and they had no business being getting as far as they did, but they did. I see him in the mold of like maybe Kirk Cousins esque, who's a quarterback for the Vikings now, or maybe someone like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Good enough to be a starter, but you're not like, all right, this is the guy that's going to take us to the promised land. He's not going to be that kind of right. guy. Now, I can see that. Now, I wish we could have booked Sam Elliott for this segment because Sam Elliott plays uh, Bo Callahan's coach. He probably would have swore at us if he stayed in character. That would have been great. Which also, also Sam Elliott got strong consideration for the, uh, the McLovin simply because it's Sam Elliott. And those of you that know me well enough know that if I had just an unlimited amount of money that I could just do anything I want with it, one of the things I would do is I would cut a check to Sam Elliott to record my voicemail message on my phone. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things about you is that (laughs) you want to have him record a voicemail for you. Yeah, it would be be perfect. I've, I've got a dream where I want him to record my voicemail message. I want to buy a warehouse and set up a replica set of The Price is Right, and my friends would come over and we'd play Plinko or <laughs> or the, the yodeling game or the yodelers going up the hill or, you know, like just The Price is Right stuff. I wouldn't give away new cars. Like, I don't – I ain't got that kind of scratch, but – Wow. Wow, I went at Plinko and I can't even win a fucking new car. That's hey, bullshit. dude, I'd give you a fucking $50 gift card to, like, Red Lobster, Olive Garden, or something. <laughs> oh man, I am high on the list of uh, of your friends uh, that, and I get a fifty dollars gift card to Red Lobster. Hey, you know what? That's better than I would do for some. That's 20, fair. Twenty five. <laughs> or, or, or the Plinko set instead of it being money would be like okay, like it would be like okay, you get like in the this like the hundred dollar one, like okay, you won like five bucks. And you would just accumulate money, and that would be your gift card. 
right. I like. I'm starting to like it a little more. Yeah, I'd give away like air fryers and shit. <laughs> Stuff that I can get at like five below. That like it looks kind of cool. Like, oh hey, here's a a CD, a compact CD player. <laughs> can I get a hot dog warmer? <laughs> A SanDisk MP3 player. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that. We've rambled on long enough. Uh, the uh, So we decided Bo Callahan, probably middle-of-the-road quarterback, probably good enough to be a starter, but not quite good enough to be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's how up, I feel about it. Unless him. he ends up with, like, you know, like – Trent Dilfer, the situation he walked into when the Ravens won the Super Bowl or something like that. Or, like, well, actually, both the quarterbacks for the uh, Ravens when they won Super Bowl titles. I mean, like, let's be real, Joe Flacco wasn't exactly a, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback either. But, yeah, he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, something that Dan Marino never did. Uh, the fact that the Ravens have won the Super Bowl makes me throw up in my mouth, too. I wonder sometimes if Dan Marino getting kidnapped by that uh, the former place kicker didn't really fuck up fuck up his psyche because he was never really the same quarterback after that. Laces out. Yep, laces out. Um, the I'm the King of the World award winner for who wins the movie. I'm the King of the World. I think this is pretty cut and dry, but Lucas, who do you nominate as your King of the World award winner? Um, I actually have this blank, but. It, Kevin Costner, Cleveland Browns, the NFL. I I feel like all three of them really win. Uh, Cleveland looks good in this movie, uh, which is not easy to do. I do like at the beginning, though, how they kind of lay it out. Like, this is all Cleveland has is their football team, their basketball, their baseball team. Like, that's all they have because – you know, there's really no like nightlife to speak of. It's it's definitely uh, a blue collar city. Mm. Work really hard, you know, and then on the weekends you have your sports teams that you go and you watch. Um, Kevin Costner is Kevin Costner. He's the greatest sports movie uh, icon of them all. And then uh, the NFL, they have Roger Goodell getting fucking cheered, which is bullshit. And it makes them look good on, you know, for their draft stuff and all that. So I think all three of them really win, but it's it's really Kevin Costner because he's just he's Kevin Costner. Yeah. I don't know how to really explain it. Yeah, that's who I have too. I mean, like like I said earlier, like pretty much he just knows how to be like he just seems to like have this thing where he could just like he ups his game when he's in sports movies. He like said mm-hmm. like even like the bad ones like for love of the game are not really that bad. They get saddled with, like, shitty scripts or whatever. Um, he also, like, he kind of plays a GM the way I expect a GM to be. Like, if I were to ever meet a GM of a sports team in general, just kind of like, kind of a dick, does whatever he can to win. But uh, also seems like because of that lifestyle, he kind of fucks up everything else. Like, he isn't a good father or he's not a great boyfriend or husband or you know, whatever, because he's so consumed with his job. I mean, fuck the Seahawks GM is sleeping in the office. Yeah. I would, I I mean, I never want to have a job like that. So Lucas, don't expect me to be sleeping in my kitchen for this show. 
but all I, right. but Fine. I, think, I guess I, I guess the illusion's over now. But I also people that listen to the show know that. Come on, he's not working that hard at this show. I mean, this show sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think the show sucks. I think we are very average, and we could, you know, we could have an average. We could be second tier, and I would be very happy with right. that. And I think we are second tier in yeah. a nice way. Yeah, it seems to be like the running gag of the show is how we don't feel we're that great. But, hey, I digress. But, yeah, I think Kevin Costner wins this one. Like, even he's kind of like an asshole at some points, but, like, you like him. Yeah. And I think it's just years of building up, like, like that every man likability that he plays in just about everything. Like, I just think that he's kind of earned that much goodwill to where like he could have punched that fucking intern. And I probably would like, okay, cool. You know, like that kid kind of got on my nerves too. I, he totally deserved it. I would have busted the shit out of his computer. He didn't break the shit out of his laptop. Well, he didn't know that was his laptop. He just seen a laptop sitting there. But even if he said, you know what, I'm going to break your fucking intern's laptop. And then Chuck's against the wall. Like, you know what? That kid kept coming in, butting at the wrong time telling me that somebody's on the other line, I would have done it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think he wins it though just because, like, he's really good in this. I don't think the script, like we uh, we talked about last week with Miracle, which you can listen to wherever you get podcasts. Um, the script for this one's not that great, but he seems to kind of elevate it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about last week, it's pretty cut and dry. There's an issue, man solves issue, team wins out in the end. Sports movie. Right. And he builds a team that gets knocked out in the first round of the NFL playoffs. <laughs> and loses on opening day because that's yeah. what the Browns did. I, I bet they get dog walked on opening day too. I bet it's like 45 <laughs> to 3 or something like that. Ugh. Uh, there's been a couple of those. All right. The last category, this is one that we have been saving for the sports movies. Um, I think this. we decided this is going to be a category going forward. For sports movies. And yeah. Yes. Um, we haven't got all the kinks worked out yet. We have to come up with a set criteria. But um, the Sports Movie Hall of Fame, does this movie belong in the Sports Movie Hall of Fame? Uh, I say no. Um, as awesome as this movie is, I think it's very entertaining. Um, I, we said at the opening that there's a lot to nitpick with this, and I just personally feel that with the NFL being involved with it, that some of the stuff is a little far-fetched, like the draft stuff, like the ineptitude of the Jacksonville GM, which actually has become more and more real in the last couple of years. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just I – I wish they would have, like, taken a little time, maybe even hired somebody that is, like, familiar with, like, the workings of – how an NFL like front office would work. I wish they would have put a little bit more thought and time into that than just kind of making it more movie. Like just more like, I don't know, like, I guess that's what I'm looking for. Where they just basically, like they overblow it for movie purposes. Yeah. Which they did. Yeah. But no, I don't think this movie is, uh, worthy of the Sports Movie Hall of Fame. I did think one of the criterias we have is it considered one of the best of its particular genre, which I wouldn't say this is in the top five best football movies of all time. No. I wouldn't put it in that category. I was going to say absolutely it does not 
belong at all, not even close. Just simply because, you know, when we're when I'm thinking about Hall of Fame sports movies, I'm thinking about memorable or has heard of or, you know, somebody is like, man, have you seen that movie? Which Miracle was right there. I think we said it was right there on the line, but we agreed that it belonged in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this would- one definitely not. Yeah, this is uh, one that probably has a solid career. Probably, this was a player probably made a couple Pro Bowls, which honestly in the NFL not too hard to do anymore. Um, you know, probably had a steady career. Probably played in the league for like thirteen or fourteen years, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a Hall of Famer. Right. Yep. Well, that's actually a very good uh, uh, criteria. Is uh, you know whether it has a memorable scene or if it's a memorable movie in general. I mean, most of the movies in the sports movie Hall of Fame would be, you could play a scene from it, and most people that watch movies would know the movie. I don't think I don't think I could show a clip of, you know, I don't know, a scene from this movie where, I don't know, let's just say, come on, Tom, say with me, you pancake Pancake eating motherfucker, and someone's like, "Oh, that's draft day." <laughs> I don't think that ever yeah. pop up on those AFI, like those uh, best of uh, American Film Institute specials that used to run on CBS, like memorable sports <laughs> moments. <laughs> At least I don't think it would be. I don't. Yeah, no. Well, but yeah, just circling all the way back. Like, no, this does not belong in the Hall of Fame. Good, good. movie. Not not Hall of Fame movie. Nope does not does not get in. Sorry, uh, Ivan Reitman, but I also don't feel too bad for you because you've done Ghostbusters and Twins and Dave, and so you're you're set. You don't need to hang your hat on draft day. Um, before we go, Lucas, do you have anything you want to add? Miss you, Chad. With yeah, I do. I do miss him too. Like uh, I didn't get to see. Uh, the mother, which uh, Anthony Hopkins won uh, best actor for at the uh, the very shitty Academy Awards last year, but I did see uh, Ma Rainey's uh, the movie that Chad Bozeman got nominated for. He's really good in that. I felt he should have won, but that's neither here or there. Can't control it now, which is why once again I think the Academy should take away awards after a few years. I agree. Yep, snatch that shit away. Like, you know what? Give me that guy. Give me that goddamn map. Give me that goddamn gold statue. You don't deserve it anymore. And Give that's that- probably the only time Tropic Thunder will make it onto this, <laughs> this podcast. True. All right, well, uh, I don't have anything to add outside of it. It's draft day's definitely worth checking out. Uh, if you can find it, I'm sure it'll pop up on TV in the coming week with the Super Bowl coming up. I'm sure it'll be on somebody's streaming service or you might catch it on FX or something. So if you get a chance to check it out, it's highly entertaining. Can't go wrong with Kevin Costner in a sports movie. So I'd, I'd say check it out for sure. But uh, outside of that, I don't have anything to add. So uh, we will talk at you guys later. And that wraps up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. We hope you guys and gals enjoyed that one. 
Uh, if you like what we're doing here at the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple. And you can also leave five-star reviews on Spotify now, which is really cool. So coming up next week, uh, it's a movie that we've been circling for quite a long time. One of our most dedicated listeners has requested us to do this movie. So coming up next week, we're doing Super Bad. So be sure to check us out. Uh, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. So until next week, we will catch you guys later. Bye, everybody.